is going to be all about right. you, Dad. This is all about me. This is going to be the best podcast that everyone's <laughs> ever heard in the history of podcasting. It's going to be number one in the charts, number one in the browsing, number one in the in the thing. It's going to be everything. Put your keys away, have you? Welcome to Neil Our Podcast. We're back. Whee! Let's go. Let's go. We hate to engage, inspire. And put a smile on your face every single day. My name is Niall Wilson. My name is Neil Raymond Wilson. They say, Dad, that most podcasts don't reach you past seven episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. So Who told you that? I've just, I listened to it on a podcast. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to it on somebody's eighth podcast? Yeah. This is our ninth. Apparently that's the average where they just, they've had enough, they give up, stop posting. So we're, we're steaming ahead. Oh, we're well ahead of the average. Yeah, yeah. And, um... We just want to thank you all for your support. If you if you are listening to this and you've not left us a rating, left a comment, apparently that really helps in growing the podcast, reaching as many people as we can. And that is essentially what we're going to do on a father-son journey. I am an Olympic athlete. This is my dad. He's done a, an array of amazing things. And today we're going to talk about you, Dad. Wee, wee, wee. We're going to talk about you. Yeah. Um, oh, your God, journey. I'm still on... You know, like when Baz was here the other week and he went, oh, I'm really nervous. I, it's, it's our podcast. Now all of a sudden you put him under pressure, I'm really nervous. Not you being a dad. You uh, being you. Me being me. This is you, this. Right. This right. is Neil Wilson, Untold Stories. Hey, you, you won't believe what's happened to me this afternoon. What? I've got I've got a story to tell you. Go on, then. It's just... Un- it's first I've heard. Is it unbelievable? So, I've uh, you know, I like to do my garden. I've got, at the bottom of the garden, I've got that row of... Um, laurels they're mm. about eight foot high yeah at yeah. the bottom end of the right, well, do you know what i mean no. anyway there's a row of like it's about 20 meters long laurels so i've got to cut them but they've got really big they're about eight foot so i've had to order a new set of step ladders you know they're a bit taller mm. than my other step ladders and uh, so i thought oh, i'll get before i came down here i'll get my new step ladders out and uh cut the laurels which are they're just fantastic and i've got got my trimmer so I'm all so I'm all set up. You don't know what's coming, do you? No, I have no idea. I'm all set up, and I'm going. I'm about halfway up the ladder, and I'm trimming the laurels. Bear in mind, this is three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, half to three o'clock in the afternoon, right? Mm. And out of the laurels, I shit you not, a fox jumped out <laughs> of the onto the lawn. It jumped out onto the lawn, like you know, like right next to yeah, me. Yeah, in the day, you don't normally see foxes in the day. Well, I don't, I don't think so. A fox expert telling that. So it jumped out on the lawn and like looked at me. Right. So you know, we go on about heart rate and anxiety and all that stuff. Yeah. I absolutely like. It's just like it's like you've seen it. a lion. You thought you oh. seen a lion. So I fell off my step, new steps. <laughs> right. I dropped my uh, my trimmer trimmer on the lawn, which put two dents in my lawn, oh, no. which I'm not happy about. Fox kind of looked at me as if I was stupid. He didn't, he didn't want like in a rush or anything. And and sort of walked off towards the corner of the house and round the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So what did I think? What is the first thing you... I've fallen off ladder, I've hurt my knee. Ladders have tipped over. I've dropped my thing. I've got dents in my lawn. What's the first thing you think about? What is the first thing I now think about in my life? What did I think? Have a guess. <laughs> have a, shall I tell you? <laughs> no, because I know how crazy you are. Yeah, tell me. Get it on an Insta story. Right, It'll okay. go viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get it yeah, on an Insta story. Content. Content. So I get up, gets, gets my phone, gets me... And, and when, I, when I've got to put anything on an Instagram story, like I get into a mild sort of panic. You know, I get all wrong things. Yeah, and, you don't, yeah. Don't so, know where you are. Yeah, so I've got, me, I've got my Instagram out. And I, I, went, I went round the corner and it sort of wasn't there. 
And then I, I went round the back of the house to where the, the door is, right? And I'm thinking, oh, no. So then I noticed I've left the door open. And front door? The, the front door. The front <laughs> door. So I've left the front door open. Right. It's not like that. So, so I'm thinking, oh, no. The, I'm thinking, this is not good. So my, 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 my knee was throbbing. I'm there with my Instagram story. I'm looking at your knees. So you've got any grazes? Think, thinking... Fox has gone in the house. It's, it's it's that bold. It's like jumped out in front of me in the garden. It's just gone in the house. And there were a bag of rubbish there, you know, because I like want food and stuff mm. that was ready to go to the bin that I hadn't put in the bin, you know, just inside the door. Yeah, yeah. So I thought Fox has gone in the house. So then, you know, the panic started again. You know, when you kind of, you know, when you talk about going on the eye bars, I mean, heart rate's going up. I'm thinking there's a fox in the house. So, 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 I kind of sheepishly kind of went in the door because I'm really nervous, yeah, nervous now. Gonna... So, so, here's a question for you. When you think there's a fox in your house, yeah, and you go in, how do you shout the fox? What would you say if you thought there was a fox in here? How would you shout it? I'd probably, I'd make a noise, probably wouldn't shout Hello. I probably wouldn't shout. I'd like maybe bang something or bang, like right. get a get a glass and just bang like you know, like doing a toast, like ding ding ding. So what did you shout? So I'm thinking, well I don't know if it's called Alan or Dave, do I? <laughs> <laughs> I can't shout that. So I'm I'm in my house with my Instagram at the ready shouting Foxy <laughs> Foxy Foxy Mr. Fox, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm creeping around the house, like, really scared with my Instagram ready because I'm thinking if I get, <laughs> if I get at the, the fox... Um, in your house. In the house. Right? Yeah. So to cut a long story short, I, did, I went all around the house with that and it wasn't in the house. And when I came out the back of the house, it sat up by someone else. Oh, it? So, so I must have walked past it thinking it's in the house and gone in the house. And it kind of, the, the fox sort of, if it could speak, if that fox could speak, it it would have said to me, are you stupid? Yeah. Because like, it had been watching me, you know, do all this stuff. And it just got up and, like, walked down the back, around the back of the garage, and off it went. That's a brilliant story. But why, I did, did, why didn't you look around the garden before you went into the house and looked around the whole house? I don't know now, because my mind was all, all I was thinking was Instagram. I got on my so mind. You're thinking it was better if Fox was in the house. Yeah, I'm thinking if it's in Please, there. You're actually get, wishing for it to be in the house. If it's in there. But all the time I could have just got it on Instagram because it was set up by the summer house in the sun. So did you not get it on Instagram? No. Because by the time I went back to my thing, I wouldn't have got it anyway because it had gone off. You know, my phone were locked. <laughs> that would have been so good if the Fox went in the house. It might well imagine you didn't find it, but it was it was actually in there. Mum gets home from work tonight, and oh, like, that would be brilliant! Imagine <laughs> you just locked it in. Yeah, Can you imagine Sal's unpacking, shopping, and Fox just walks down kitchen. Well, we've had we've had a few birds in the house, you know, flapping around that we've chased around there. You know, when you you know in the summer you leave the doors yeah, open. Yeah. He's quite risky, and we once had a cat that was locked in the garage because when I'm doing the garden, I sort of leave the garage door open. And yeah, it no, must yeah. have wandered in, and I've not had out in here. Imagine a bird in here. Be good that. And we, we've put a, 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 a kind of, we call it a picture window, um, you know, where we did all the bottom end of the house and did the kind of yeah, uh, no, communal yeah. area thing, whatever we call it. We have loads of pigeons flying to that window, you know. And that's like straight. Fl- and yeah. and, the, and you, they leave, whatever it is on the feathers, they leave like a perfect imprint in the window 
of where they've smashed into it. Yeah. Poor thing. It's like Harry Potter when the owl's flying. It's like literally like that. Smashed yeah. straight into the window. Straight into the window. I don't get much up here. <clears throat> anyway, right. So that's my story from it this afternoon. <laughs> it was a bit of a anticlimactic though. I know. I wish I had a better ending for you. Sorry, but I kind of... I wish you were filming when it jumped out of the bush. Oh, God. You just couldn't believe how I felt. I, mean, I can't believe how brave it was. I just can't... Be- I cannot explain the feelings. I can't so- believe how brave you was, or the fox. The fox? Didn't care, did it? <laughs> Thinking that lad's cutting his edges, but I'm coming through here. This is my normal route. I go through here every day. I don't care what he's doing. I'm off up there. Uh, all right, then. Anyway, there you go. Brilliant. So take us back. When, so let's say... Take it back. Take it back, boys. When you were 23, I'm 23. I'm yeah. sat podcasting with my dad. What were you doing? At 23 years old, whereabouts, where were you working, where do you live? Were you in Leeds? Yeah. Well, my dad, had you I, met Sally? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I had. Because you, you, you'd be better with mummy, wouldn't you, with all these, these well, She's going to be on, that, she's but come on, I'm asking you. On. What were you doing at 23? Now, keep it clean. We've got a family audience. Well, I... My my dad was in the army and he got uh, we I'd lived most of my life down south and he got posted to um, a place called Four Power at Thornbury in Leeds, right? So it was a relocation. We all came up. So I think I was about sixteen, seventeen, and we we moved um, into Leeds. And I uh, when I moved up, I worked at a company called B Jam. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't think B Jam are good. It's basically the equivalent of Iceland. All oh, right, okay. I, you know, so it's like a freezer company it used to be called b-jam and uh, i worked there and i, I what my, did you do well my job was to fill up the freezers <laughs> with the frozen <laughs> stuff and it's so you know like the, the freezers downstairs upstairs where you had all this where all the deliveries were you had a massive freezer you know like a freezer the size of your flat oh really where, where we kept everything frozen in boxes and then you'd bring it down to the free, you know, fill up the freezers as in, people in buy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm, I imagine Iceland do something similar right now. Iceland are not a sponsor, by the way. No. Another, another plug for another company. <laughs> um, so you worked in a freezer with it cold? Of course it was cold. It's a freezer, dickhead. Did, did you have to wear, were you wearing gloves and Yeah, to you get used to, you, you know, like, um, you know, when people climb Everest and they've got them big coats, we had these massive coats on and like a, a, a mouth thing and these big gloves because yeah. you, you could go in the freezer and you could spend half an hour in there, you know, trying to get all the stuff that you had yeah, to put yeah, down yeah. in the... It's like going in uh, the cryo chamber when you've got to wear the mask and the yeah, gloves yeah, and yeah, all Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, st- young Stephen Ward, though, we used to take his mask off and stick his lips to the free the blower. You know the blowers that blew out all the cold air? Stick your lips to it, you know, because they're wet. They just immediately stick. <laughs> so you ended up stuck to the side of the freezer. <laughs> oh, God, he was funny. He didn't, he didn't very happy because when you pull your lips off, it used to pull all the skin off. He might be listening. Yeah, possibly. S- sorry, what was his name? Stephen. Stephen Ward. Sorry, Stephen. Stephen Ward. He had a crooked nose. When we used to go out and you say, right, come on, where should we go? Let's follow our noses. So don't follow Stephen's. You'll end up going around in circles. This <laughs> <laughs> is not a nose pointed left. All right, so, so you're so, working in B-Jam. But I used to, I, can, can I just tell you something? I, I used to love working in B-Jam. And the reason that I loved working there was they, they used to run a, a, a like a badge star scheme. Yeah. You know, um, so you'd have a bit like, I don't know if McDonald's still do it. Also not a sponsor. They, um, <laughs> He's fishing for a sponsor. I know. Yeah. They, they, 
you get a badge and you start with with no stars, and then when you pass a certain criteria, you get a star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then and then that's a, and then by the time you got to it's five, like a rating, like yeah, at the company. Yeah. So by the by the, by the time you got to uh, five stars, you like became a supervisor. You know, be you know sort of in charge of people. Well, I I've I'd really liked that process. You know that where it was. Um, you had something to aspire to, something to aim for, and each time you got a set. But when you were there, though, everybody, everyone got known by the stars. So I was Neil Four Star. Yeah. You know, or Stephen was Stephen Two Star. You know, you always added the stars on at the end. So it became, it became quite competitive with people. It was, re- it was genius, really. Yeah. Because, like, all the staff kind of still aspired to... Not still aspired, but aspired to get the stars and get five. And if you were five stars, you became a supervisor. You were an absolute you know, legend. You were legend. like, you told everybody what to do. Then. Yeah. And that, and they had to do it. And all the girls wanted you because you were Neil the five star. Oh, I was Neil five star. Neil, Neil I, I got to five star. And when I, when I came to Leeds, I I relocated at B-Jam. So there was a B-Jam in where I was working down in Farnham. It sounds was, like a nightclub or do something. You, like do you know where B-Jam was in uh, uh, Crossgates? Oh, really? You, yeah. you know, just down from the gym. It yeah, used to yeah. be there. So when I first moved to Leeds, I worked in Cross Gates. Yeah. In the centre, was it in like the little, is that, that shopping centre with that there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was that. So um, I um, I then left there and went to the Lawns, Lawnswood Arms. I beca- just became a barman there, which is a, it's a big pub. We used to do... Um, it's still a barman at that big wacky warehouse when we were kids. Yeah, that, yeah, that one, yeah. But before that, it used to do weddings. So I did, I kind of managed weddings and stuff. And I... When I joined as the barman there, I stayed a while. I became the assistant manager there. I went on a course and passed the course. I became the assistant manager, and that, I loved that day because I went from you know working wearing bartender's uniform to wearing my suit and my jacket <laughs> on. <laughs> Used to do the road to. How old were you? Yeah, like twenty. Yeah, yeah, to, 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 to sort of twenty, twenty-one, and then I, I kind of went. I went. Cause, but bearing in mind that this, so when I got through to, I can't remember the exact ages, right? So roughly, when I got through to eighteen and nineteen, my mum and dad moved on again, and I, I said to yeah. my dad, you know, so little bit, I was a bit younger than you. But I think it was eighteen. I said to my dad, my mum and dad, I'm going to give it a go here. I'm going to stay in Leeds. I like it here. I want to. And I, I found a flat in Farsley, and I, I started living on my own. Yeah. And then through from there, I worked. At, um, the, I worked at Yorkshire Post. I used to sell advertising space. I worked at the auto. Have you heard of the Auto Trader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I were there <laughs> when it wasn't online. It were, it was a magazine. Yeah, so you could, with you, the cars, yeah, yeah. So you could only ever get the paper copy. You couldn't do it online. I think it's only online now. I'm yeah, not too yeah. sure. But so you, every week a magazine came out with all these cars in, and you, you know, you people would buy it through via the magazine, which mm. I don't think they do now. It's all online. So I used to, the, the actual pages of the auto trader, I used to sell the space. So I used to go out to garages and say, will you buy a page of space? Didn't quite say like that. I was a better salesman than that. <laughs> and then, and then I, and then I um, after that, I ended, up, I ended up selling cars. I was a car yeah, salesman. Is anything you haven't done? I didn't even yeah. know any of this. Yeah, I mean, car sales. Well, I, when I, I was a car salesman, uh, uh, that's where I met Sally. Because Sally bumped a car. Runs in the family, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sally bumped a car and she'd come down to see me because I was going... We might talk about this with Mum and see what she says. I was going out with one of Sally's friends. Right. And she, this friend had said, go see Neil at the garage, he'll sort your car out. And it was on our birthday and I was going to be 23. So I'm, I'm actually back to the question. I was going to be 23. So Sally turned up. No said, way, on your 23rd birthday? 
Yeah, there are thereabouts. If, from recollection, uh, I, I feel like it. If mum were here, she'd go, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. But it, yeah, I, it yeah, feels yeah. like it was on our 23rd birthday. So they're like, hey, Sally, all right, I've banged the back of my car. Can you sort it out? Yeah, of course I can. I always used to say that. Because I couldn't or I couldn't. She'd say, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, sort yeah. it out. It didn't matter what, what the problem was. Yeah, I'll sort it out. Ah, right, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so we started to have a chat, and it, it, came, it came up that it was going to be my birthday. So Sally said, oh, it's going to be my birthday. Well, when's, when's your birthday? Uh, I said, 8th. It might have been a couple of days later. She went, I, I was born on the 8th as well. <laughs> right. So, so I'm like looking at each other, and I went, bloody hell. You've got the same birthday. She, she, and she said to me, how old are you going to be? I said, 23. I said, how old are you going to be? I went, 28, 29. <laughs> she said, no, I'm going to be 23 like you. Oh, shit. She said, oh, yeah, did fuck it. And you know what age is like at that? You know, in, in it, when people are growing up, they want to be older. When you're older, you want to be younger, don't yeah, you? But yeah. that mid-20s section mid-20s, is... Mid-20s, kind of... you, then, you then shift then for wanting to look and be older to then... You want to then get ID'd because you want to look younger. Yeah. I'm still where I, I want to look a bit older. I want to look more like a man. I'm still a, I'm like a 17 year old in a 23 year old's body. Do you know what I mean? Do you always get ID'd then? Yeah, Maybe absolutely. Get... Yeah. Do you? Still, yeah. Oh. Apart from when we go out in Leeds, because I, I know everyone in Leeds, but <clears throat> ID'd. Yeah. ID'd for getting Red Bull and stuff at shop. <laughs> really? <laughs> You've got to be 16. <laughs> no, I don't really. Yeah. Um, so I, so, yeah, so I added that, five odd, years on to mum. The odds of that are ridiculous, by the way. We'll talk about it when mum's on, but born on the same day, getting married, you know, I mean, it's been easy for us because we only have to remember one birthday and it's... Well, there's all, mum will tell you all the stories. Mum's mum's mum, your, your gran, used to be a Wilson and became a Fernley. Sally was a Fernley and became a Wilson. Yeah. There's, there's like all these different coincidences. It's really weird. Does he think it was fate? Do you believe in the fate and the universe? And no, I think she trapped me. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my leg, didn't I? I'd know where I live. Oh, is that we'll happened? tell you the story. No, I... So at 23 years old, I was selling cars and I was a bit... Um, I was a lot like you, to be honest. In what way? Um, Good looking. <laughs> talented. No, I kind of... Loved life. I, you know, I lived for life. I lived on my own. I, you know, I wasn't... I, I kind of... I hadn't lived with my parents for, you know, by the time I got to 23 for five years, you know, I was really independent. I, um, I wanted to do my own thing, you know, and do my own thing. My, um, I used to enjoy my own company, which I think you do. Yeah. You know, I used to enjoy, enjoy my own company. I didn't mind that. You know, I never used to go out nuts if I was in the flat on my own for weeks on end. That didn't matter to me. I didn't, and I was, you know, I was outgoing. I was pretty good at sales. And when, when I, whenever I had anything to sell, I could sell it. I was pretty good at that. Yeah, which you know, in in the current climate, if you move on, just about thirty years, the the world's changed, hasn't it? You know, from a sales perspective, it's not like it used to be. Because you, you it might, I don't know, I'm, I might be wrong. People might still do it. You had to physically, you know, to go out in a car and knock on doors yeah, and try yeah. to sell people things. Yeah, it's still a strategy. I mean, door to door, it's just now with social media blowing up and everything like that. You know, everything I sell is online. It's all on through social media and yeah, <clears throat> but essentially. I'm still the person that's knocking on the door. I've built a personal brand. So I guess they bought some off you in that moment because you was a good salesman, like you were a, a personality and outgoing and, and could connect with them on an emotional basis and understood how they were feeling, what they were thinking and could sell somewhere. Yeah. I guess essentially that's what I do, but I just do it in front of a camera. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, after, after that, 
uh, when me and mum got together, I mean, I, I found I found my place at um, my you know the last company where I went, which which I joined National Breakdown and worked in the control room, and then you know from starting as what what they some titles would be advisor or controller or whatever, but basically I was on the phone dealing with breakdowns. And the and the whole break the whole breakdown thing was um, it was an in- a challenging environment because you know you used to do like four or five thousand of these a day, every day. So when you when you'd sit there, you would I could take one hundred and twenty calls a day of one hundred and twenty people broken down, and um, I I loved it I loved it because I had a different view I had a different view on what we were doing. Do you, do you know? I give you I give you a stat now. Every year in this country in the UK. 1,876 years, people get injured or killed at the roadside who are broken down. 1,000 get injured or... 1,800 get injured injured or or killed killed at the roadside when they're broken down. So, so, Right. So that could be, you're on the motorway, you're broken down, you get out of the car, someone smacks into the car, you're still in it. Or you're on a bad bend and people, you know, cars come out and it causes an accident and you get injured. Or, I mean, the main one is you just carry on sitting in your car on a motorway, which you must not do. Neil yeah, and our yeah. podcast do not support that. You've got to get out of your car and get get up the bank, you know, just yeah, get, get out, out of the way. way. Yeah. So, if you, so if you think about it, so one mindset could be I've got a job on the telephones and all day long I take breakdowns, I take the details and I send a van out, yeah? Another way of thinking about it, which is the way I got everybody to think about it, is every day when we go to work we save lives. Yeah. You know, it's that why thing, isn't it? Why do you go to work? You can go to work because you want your money, you do 120 calls, you go home, you're not engaged, you're not very active, you don't think, and you just think this, this business is a crap place to work because nobody cares about me. Everything happens to you because of you and those, everyone that was working there, that their next call, they could save somebody's life. Yeah. So each time you do it, and, it's a, and every, every single one was different. It was a different situation and different yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I used to love it and I... You know, I applied to be a team leader, which was which was a strange experience because I was really nervous about that. Everyone kept saying to me, you should go be a team I don't know what I was saying or doing for people to say, you should apply to be a team leader, you should apply to be a team leader. So in the end, I gave in. I said, I went to apply to be a team leader and uh, the, 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 the management team uh, was sat in front of me. So, and and the, it was an interview and a presentation, but you did the presentation first. Right, so I think what their view was, which is a pretty logical one, is let's let's hear him presenting, and afterwards we might ask him some questions about his presentation that he's done. So I I did my presentation and I got up and basically said about um, the environment and culture that we all worked in and how it needed to change because it wasn't very good and it needed to change from where it is now to a completely different place where people feel completely different and engaged and community. But the, the people that I was doing the presentation to were all the managers of the area <laughs> I was talking about. So you're telling them how they should... Well, yeah, yeah. 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 But, I didn't, but I didn't think I just went in and said what I thought was yeah. what should happen. You got the job. Yeah. Got the job. And then led to, I guess, 20 years later, you were managing 500 people across the country, uh, Diet Line Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was a long, long journey with a lot of, you know, and ask how you do it, hard work. Yeah. I used to, I used to come home on a night when you were a lot younger, see you, you'd go to bed and I'd go back to work. I remember, yeah, night. I remember. You yeah, know, because there was, there was so much to do when I, when I actually got the, 
the, the more senior role. But I, got, I was an accidental manager, you know. I got the job by default. It was a complete accident. Really? I was working on a project, and the guy that was running the business at the time, he just sacked the manager. And he, he asked me to come, and it was like a big, you know, he was very senior. And it, when, it, when you get an invite off him to go down and see him, it's like a bit nervy. You think, yeah. oh, crikey, what, what do I have to go see him for? So I went down, it was called Bill. Went down and sat down, and I, I, thought, I thought he'd invited me down to go get him a coffee. <laughs> Do you want a coffee, Bill? Nope. No coffee for me or you. Sit down. That's what he's like. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right, Neil. Um, I've sacked whoever the manager is. What I can't remember. I've sacked him. He's gone. I went, oh, right. Well, that, that's a shame. No, it's not. He wasn't <laughs> very good. Um, so I've asked around the business. I've asked everybody that I know and loads and loads of people. And I've spoken to everybody. And um, they're all telling me you're a good guy. Are you a good guy? Right. And I said, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not so bad. <laughs> My kids like me. Right. Um, <laughs> what I want you to do, and this is, this is his exact words to me, until I find a proper manager, which sort of says, you're not a proper manager, isn't it? Until yeah. I find a proper manager, and there is no one else, so you're not a proper manager, I've asked around, I'm, it's a, you're a lack of options. Yeah. Um, I want you to be in charge of the control room. Okay? You start on Monday. And I was like, rabbit, I went, all right, all right, Bill. You still don't want that coffee? No. <laughs> so I got up and went, and I, I, I literally, it was like the weekend. I came back in on the Monday. It was like three days later. So you've got, sat, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And it turns up, no, Bill. Right. I'm looking at, I'm thinking, oh, what's going on here? Over the weekend, he got sacked. Bill, you know this Bill? Yeah. But which I'm not surprised at the way he was and his yeah, attitude yeah. and stuff. And this this guy came in, Nigel, who, was, who became a very, very good friend of mine, really good friend. You might remember him, Nigel went to his house. Yeah, He yeah, smashed yeah. his vase. Do you remember? With football in his, in his house. Oh, no. Went for <laughs> tea and you smashed one of his vases with football. <laughs> um. He sat, he sat down, he went, hi, hi I'm Nigel, uh, I'm going to be looking after things, what's your story? <laughs> I, was like, I was like almost in tears, I'll go, oh, on Friday, he came down and Bill, and he, didn't, he didn't want a coffee, and I go, and he said, you're going to manage, and he's gone. And he, he, just, he kind of went, look, calm down, calm down. He says, um, let's just get you started, you, you know, I want you to do it. Yeah, and people obviously believe in you, so let's get going. So that's why I say I'm an accidental manager, and from, from there I then... And, and bearing in mind, I'd, I'd become a team leader very quick. I left and I came back as the team leaders that had been there a year, you know, above them. It was a, it was a hor- horrible uh, period yeah, for me yeah. about how I felt because of how they felt. But I became the manager. And then I don't think, you know, it, you can only be an accidental manager for so long, can't you? So however, however, however it happens to you, you have to make it work. No, you have to ev- work hard. Everything happens, you voice, everything happens to you because of you. You're exactly. not an accidental manager. So why did Bill call you into the room in the first place? Well, yeah. Why did yeah. he ask 100 people and they all pointed to you? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you would have been the right man for the job and you turned out to be the right man for the job. So <clears throat> I want to, that's your kind of, that was, that was fascinating to listen to. That was brilliant. I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know half of those stories. I felt like I was talking so much, you'd fallen asleep. I didn't know if you were still <laughs> no, I was, listening. I was or... engaged. It was. It was interesting. Well, there was so much more. to I know. It. I mean, you've you've put twenty, well, thirty years into a few sentences, but 
one one thing we did want to talk about on this podcast, but well, just what what he said about the the attitude towards the call and saving lives. I just want to say what me what me and you are doing right now, like that's what that's my why. The, the link to the, the call and saving lives, you know, the, the amount of, it's so fascinating how me and you can sit in this chair in the flat, talk to a microphone, tell stories and have an impact on people's lives. Already the amount of messages we've been live for two weeks from people that are like, oh my God, I listen to your podcast and it's exactly what I yeah. need today and it's impacted me. And, and, and I think that's, that's the reason why I want to create content to put a smile on people's faces, to inspire them. To and in particular, we've chatted a lot about like you mentioned about anxiety and mental health. You know, I know there's thousands of kids, adults, people out there that are going through that process, and it's a bloody tough process because I've I've been there and we've been there. And the fact that we're telling the story about it, I've had multiple messages saying, you know, essentially we are saving lives. You don't know the path of that person, and the fact that we can make an impact on them. And and it is just telling stories, and it, and it is just us talking, and it could be a bit boring. And you know, we, you know, we talked about seven episodes in people quit. Like I want to do this for the near, for the like for the existing future because of the way it makes me feel, and because of the way it impacts people. And you know, and I don't care how many it is, whether five people listen to it, as long as one person listens to this, or listens to our stories, or you know, and has and does something different in their life because of us. That's just the best feeling yeah, in the world. I, I, can I just, just just pick up on that? So on the, the comments that are on, currently on the podcast um, and the current comments that are on YouTube, yeah. I'll, I'll come to them all. All the comments that are from uh, that people have put on the podcast, I've read them all. Right. On YouTube, once upon a time, I used to look after your comments on YouTube, didn't I? Yeah. And, re- and kind of like, acknowledge send messages back but it, the, the volume was just too high it mm-hmm. became too much you know too much yeah however i still read them i read all the neil and Nile comments i've read all the comments on the video that we've uploaded by the time this goes out we'll probably have uploaded more videos mm-hmm. right but the first video that we put up about uh for a podcast on neil and Nile, there are 64 comments or there were this morning i've read every single one of them and the way some of them comments make me feel is exactly the same way that you have made me feel in the past your achievements. And, and the, the comments are amazing in terms of how I feel now I've listened. You know, I was, I was having a bad day. I don't want to over-dramatise yeah, this, but I, was, I was thinking of, I was thinking a certain way and now I'm actually thinking. Actually, I'm, I, I should change the way. I should change my attitude. Yeah. You know, there's there's all these 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 comments that are about people that say they've listened or they've watched and they feel different and want to change their life moving forward. Well, that just blows me my mind. Absolutely. And it's so much. And we have a joke. We've had a few jokes, haven't we, about sponsors and money and all that. It's not about that. Totally it's about right. people who send them take the time to write the comments they're, they're just amazing amazing there's no feeling like it in my no. opinion and yeah i just wanted to, when you were saying that about the the attitude of going to work and, and having a call on a breakdown versus having a call to potentially save someone's life that's kind of my attitude with doing this and creating yeah. some of the content that i create anyway so awesome what, it's brilliant it's god it's brilliant let's go <laughs> I wanted to talk about in this podcast, Dad, because you've um, you've been through some something very serious with your health. Um, not many people know we did upload a vlog a couple 
just over a year ago now. And um, in 2012, my pap's Neil Wilson, he had a stroke. Um, he had a... I don't want to... Dad, oh. just take it away. Tell me. <laughs> I, I don't want to get it wrong what I'm going to say, but I think we, I want to talk about this and I want you to oh. tell the story because it is incredibly inspirational. It was, a, it was a time in our family's lives that was very, very challenging, very strange. Um, you know, a stroke is a very serious thing. You'll be able to tell a lot more about the statistics and, and what it entails, what's happened in your brain, essentially. Um, yeah. But yeah, let, let's tell a story. To, I guess to just take it to the, the point when it happened and how you felt, because I, I know when it did. Um, but what happened to you? Well... It- we were at the British Championships, weren't we, in 2012? Mm-hmm. 2012. Olympic year, yeah. Um, and you you were about to compete. How old were you then? Uh, 16. 16. So you were you were about to compete in the what they call the Masters, which is on the, the final day, isn't it? So through the competition, everybody qualifies for the, the final Masters events, and you were about to compete at Rings or, or High Bar? Uh, I got in the Rings and the High Bar final. Rings yeah. and the High Bar final. So uh, we, I'm sat with uh, Joanna and Mum and um, Nikki and Mike, uh, your auntie and uncle. And they're not married, are they? Just married them. <laughs> your auntie and Mike. So, <coughs> excuse me. I was we were sort of sat waiting to go, and the, and the way that I describe it, the the best way I, that I feel people can relate to is in my head. You know when you open a bottle of uh, you know, a big two-litre bottle of Coke or lemonade, and there's a big fizz, mm-hmm. big fizzes like that. That's what happened in my head. I got like this fizz. And um, I got kind of pins and needles and all sorts of sensation down the right-hand side of my body. All the, like, from head to toe? From, he- from head to toe, yeah. From right, You know, right the way down in a, in a complete panic. I thought, oh, God, what, what was that? So... Joanna must have seen something, so she looked at me and she said, are you all right? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, I'm just going to the toilet. I didn't need to go to the toilet, I just kind of wanted to move. Yeah. I, I, I was like panicking, but I didn't want to sort of shout out to anybody or say anything. So I walked up to the toilet, and as I'm getting nearer and nearer the, the toilet, that it's getting worse and worse, and um, the right-hand side of my face felt like it was collapsed. You know, you know, like people would know a stroke. Yeah, yeah. People... there were a lot of adverts on the TV around that yeah. time about, you know, recognising signs of a stroke and you yeah, your blurred vision, your droopiness on one side, not being able to speak, and yeah. speech and stuff like that. So that's what I, I, I thought. I'm, like, I, yeah, I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna look in this mirror, and my face is gonna be collapsed, and then I'd have probably passed out. I don't know, <laughs> but it wasn't. So I shouldn't laugh. No, I mean, well, you've got you've got to laugh. You, well, have, you, yeah, you have to yeah. laugh. I, you know, it's a very serious subject. We're not laughing at the subject. You, you're laughing at me and what I'm saying. Yeah, you're not yeah. laughing at the subject. So. I, I thought, well, that, that's strange. That's really strange, you know. I, I thought that's a bit. That's a bit weird. Never entered my head. I'd had a stroke. I just thought, what? What's going on? Well, so even though you felt like you, the one side of your face was collapsed, you didn't. You didn't even think about stroke. No. If if I'd have looked in the mirror and it was collapsed, I'd have thought, oh, right, right, because, because it wasn't. Because, because it wasn't. wasn't I thought, yeah. you know, thinking that. Well, you know, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's not a stroke. So I goes back to the the, the seat and I, I couldn't I couldn't sit down then I, I stood up at the back watching the gymnastics but didn't really say anything and um, and then Sally asked me about it and I said you know my back's my back's bad I thought it was my back 
If you remember, after it, I rang Jill and got a yeah, physio appointment yeah. and thought my, my back was something wrong with my back. Which is, which is really weird, isn't it? And I, I would, I I would advise, you know, any anybody that has any type of sensation like that to speak to people and tell them what's happening. Yeah, I you, made a mistake. Yeah, I didn't. You made a mistake. So I and then I went home and England were playing football, so I had a couple of bottles of wine. Thought, well, why not take it away? A couple of bottles of wine, um, and then kind of said, thought, well, I'll. I'll I'll ring Jill, goes for physio with Jill. Jill kind of knew that there was something not quite right. And yeah. she said, I think you need to see your doctor. Went and saw the doctor and he, he looked at me and uh, he sent me down to A&E. He said, I think you need to go down to A&E. Um, something not quite right here. So I, dro- I drove down to A&E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Joanna was with me. So, so when we get started away and he gives them the letter, I, I hadn't read the letter, it was all sealed. So then they took me into, the, the, the letter must have said, look, there's not, something not quite right with this lad. I think he needs to be tested for stroke. I don't, I don't know, I'm guessing. We go into the, you know, the cubicles that you go into in A&E. So then I become comedy dad. You know, I'm messing about with Joanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm doing whatever's in the room. We're having a bit of laugh and things like that. And then the, the thing that struck Joanna was, they, uh, they they were doing these different tests on me and they stuck a needle in the bottom of my foot. Now, I'm really ticklish. You know, if anyone goes anywhere near my feet, it's just, it's stuck this big needle in my foot and said, can you feel that? I went, no, can't feel that. And then stuck one in my knee or something. I said, can you feel that? Can't feel that. You know, Joanna was really shocked. Mm. So they went away. There, there, were, there were other tests and stuff. I, I'm simplifying it. And then... Um, Doctors came back. I said, I shouted. And I said, can I, can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. When can we go home? We, you know, we need to go for a tea. He went, you're not going home. I said, all right, why? What? He said, we need to admit you. You need to go up to um, the high dependency unit upstairs. He said, there's something not quite right, which was like, you know, this big bombshell. I'm trying to, I'm trying to dumb it down for Joanna. So then, and Joanna stayed with me all the way. Then before we knew it, within half an hour, I'm wired up to all the machines in the high dependency stroke unit. Um, there was only four of us in, you know, going. Th- I had all these things on me and all sorts of tests going on, and and all the, all the time I'm thinking, I don't why what is wrong with me? All right, I've got pins and needles down my right hand side. I think it's my bad back, but I don't, I don't know what's what's wrong. So because I was admitted on the night, um, there was no kind of doctors came round. The next morning, you know, the doctors did the round. There's like six of them, and they they asked. He asked me to do these two tests. He can't. This is radio, not TV, is it? But basically, what I'm doing is I'm putting my arms out like you mm. do, you do the crucifix on the cross. <clears throat> yeah. And he said, shut your eyes, and with your right hand touch your nose with your finger, and with your left hand touch your nose. So then my left hand I touched my nose. My right hand I like hit my head and ear. You couldn't put your finger. Couldn't on your put nose. my finger on my nose, <clears throat> and then. Uh, the next one was to put your arms out straight, shut your eyes and hold them level. And, th- and then when I opened my eyes, my right one was really down and my left one was uh, sort of still where I thought it was. And I thought, oh, my God. So then the, the doctor, th- these were his words to me, right? And I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not criticising the doctors, but this was my experience. He said, you've had a stroke. He said, but you're young. I'll expect you to get over it. And off he went. <laughs> God almighty. <coughs> so... I went, right, okay, uh, nurse came, you okay? I said, well, I've been told I've had a stroke. But, you know, at that point, he, he didn't know what it was. 
Yeah, yeah. He knew I'd had one, but he didn't know what it was. So I tried to ring Sally and say, look, I've, I've, I tried to ring her. She answered. She went, you all right? And then I couldn't speak. Started crying uncontrollably, you know, and I'm trying to tell her I've had a stroke. So she 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 came back down. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. While I was in on the night, a, a, a woman came in in the bed opposite me. I won't remember her name. She'd had a stroke. And she could, she was paralysed down the right hand side and couldn't speak. Yeah, so this is like midnight, nine o'clock the next morning. She sat in a chair and I had a conversation with her. Really? Yeah. It's so I strange, and it's, a, it's essentially what is a stroke? Well, there's there's all there's all sorts of different strokes. I mean, I, I am I am no stroke expert. I know what's happened to me. Most most strokes are lifestyle, third arteries, so it's the pathway of blood, you know, into your brain, mm. and it gets blocked. So so basically you have a lack of blood and oxygen in your brain for a period of time or a complete complete blockage. They, that is what most strokes are. Yeah, yeah. There, are there are all sorts of other strokes. I, I've, got, I've got some stats, if you're interested. Absolutely. There's a, there are 100,000 strokes each year in this country. 100,000. And, and, and the biggest percentage is to do your lifestyle, so your unhealthy uh, drinking, nutrition, yeah, or hereditary bad luck with for you know third arteries and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. but mostly, yeah, it's just to, they call them lifestyle strokes. It's your lifestyle, so yeah, it's yeah. your diet and how you live your life. Yeah, that's okay. most of them. Uh, in the country, there's 1.2 million strokes. So in the country, there's 1.2 million people that have strokes that have survived. Every have you seen this as well? Every two seconds, somewhere in the world, someone has a stroke. That's every unbelievable. Two every two seconds, someone in the world has a stroke. It's frightening, isn't it? Yeah. A stroke is the fourth single leading cause of death in this country. Wow. And it, and th- this is the key one. This is where I am so lucky. All the way through this story, I'm so lucky. Stroke is the leading cause of cause of disability in the UK. So it's it's two thirds of two thirds of everybody that has a stroke ends up with a disability. You know, not being able to use their arm and not being able to walk mm. or not being able to do. I mean, they're frightening, frightening stats, aren't they? Frightening. Yeah. But my, my my stroke, when I was in hospital for a week, I, I found out it, it wasn't that. It was a thing in my brain called a cavernoma. So so if you take 100 strokes, let's say, mm. um, I'm my one is like 5% is the exception. 95% will be lifestyle or whatever, and then the 5%. So, that, so then if you take the 5% of people that have got cavernomas and make that 100, I'm within 5% again. I'm the exception of the exception. And the reason I'm like that is the cavernoma, which is a, it's, it's a growth in your brain that takes a lot of years to grow. They know it takes a lot of years because it's got calcium in it, right, which takes right. a lot of years to grow, is, is right in the centre of my brain. Most cavernomas on the outside of the brain, and as, as unbelievable as it sounds, it's a simple operation right they take your skull off take the cavernoma out and put the skull back on and that is a normal operation yeah and, and people find out find that out and take the cavernoma out before they've had strokes or is that no is it, they usually find out that you've got yeah, one when you have a yeah, stroke yeah so so what is the stroke then is it it bursts. it bursts it bursts and it bleeds into your brain right so it's blood going into your brain most strokes are a lack of blood going in this is this is a burst and blood in your brain right so so where where mine was located it's right next to the thing called the thalamus your pain center in your brain yeah, yeah. and if somebody's listening and I'm getting the technical stuff wrong I'm really sorry but this is how I understand it 
Um, and because it's in the pain center, I am left following the stroke with I'm in permanent pain and yeah. have been since 2012. Um, and I'll, t- I'll talk about what that is uh, in a minute. But I, I went to the, this, what, the most scary, the scariest period of my life was when I got um, the letter to say I was seeing the surgeon, top surgeon in the country you know, that does these operations, takes your skull off and puts it back on. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Takes your skull off. Crazy. Um, I was going to see him and I, I was just sat all the time thinking, I, this is what I thought. This, is, this was my bad period uh, with the stroke and I didn't have many. I only had sh- you know, really short bouts of it. And I do want to talk about that because I, you know, I don't, it's ridiculous, isn't it, to say I had a stroke and life was perfect. And you know, like you said on one of the podcasts, it's just your attitude towards it. Sometimes, it's easy said, it's your attitude yeah. towards life, but your attitude towards the medical thing that's happened to you can be scary. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I was petrified. What I was petrified of was that he was going to say, right, Neil, we're going to do this operation. We're going to take your skull off. We're going to go in your brain and we're going to get this cavernoma out. And I just I just had this imagination that I would have the anaesthetic done and That'd that would be it. be it. I wouldn't wake up. And I couldn't get that story and that self-talk out of my head. So when when we went in, I was physically shaking. So And, and uh, he was lo- the surgeon was lovely. I want to say Bell. I can't remember. I'll, get, I'll probably get that wrong. Something Bell. That's not his first name, Bell. Wow. <laughs> um, he, looked, he said, this thing, you know, explained, he said, uh, it's right in the centre of your brain. It's really tricky to get to. He said, what we'd have to do is we'd have to take your skull off. So he's telling me the story. And as he's telling the story, I'm picturing me on the operating table, yeah. you know, getting knocked out. We take your skull off and then, uh, we, you know, we get down. And I can, I can get near it, but the la- in order to get it out, the last bit of your brain, I've got to cut through that and uh, then take it out. He said, it's very risky. I said, I said, well, what are the risks of that? He said, well, you, you definitely lose your speech when I do that. Right. So I looked at him. Sally said, when can we book him in? <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought I'd lighten the mood there. <laughs> um, so I looked at him and I thought, so he kind of, he spoke about the risks, right? Which they always do. So he said, look, that, that's the risk of the operation. I said, well, what are the risks if I have nothing done? He said, if you have nothing done, you will, you will have, there's a 30, maybe a bit more percent chance you'll have another bleed. You know this cavernoma in my head, you will have another bleed, mm. right? And I said, well, and what will happen if that happens? He said, well, you probably lose your speech as well. So if I have another bleed, I'm at risk of losing my speech. Mm. Um, I wanted to say then, how the hell will we podcast? But that <laughs> seems inappropriate as well. So, God. Um, I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> if we do get a sponsor, yeah, it's all right. yeah. So, I just said to him, I said, "Look, if if you if you were looking at this, you're the you're the expert, you're the surgeon. If you were looking at this and this was your head with that in it, what would you do?" He said, "I'd just go home and live my life." And it was it was almost like at that point because bear in mind I was petrified of the operation. The operation had gone then. Yeah, yeah, it was like a little bit of epiphany and a, you know a big weight off my shoulders. I thought, right, no more operation because that was I was really. What was it? But if it if it set if the answer to that question was, I'd I'd get on the table and risk the operation. Do you still think you know because there's that whole thing about when sort of a doctor or a specialist tells you what they think, you value their opinion. Do you know what I mean? 
And I know this is just a really random question is throwing it out there. Do you think you would have had the operation if you, when you asked that question, you said, I think you should have the operation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I, I'm generally I'm a bit of a conformist in I do conform. I do have my moments, but I do conform. And, and if he was the expert and he said, I think you're better off having the operation. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of a reason right now why I'd have said no to that other than being scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have probably said to him, look, mate, I'm really scared. Yeah. And he'd have gone through. Well, well, he's all, I mean, so, I, I, I it's nothing like on your level, but like with my neck surgery, yeah. you know, the, the risks that they have to read you out the risks and, and obviously the number one the number I remember being in the in the room with, with Jake Timothy Timothy and Mum and Jill and and his assistant and he said, Right, we've got to tell you the risks of the operation, Nile. And it, th- this was at the point in my career where it was like, Well, yeah, you I think I'd ask the question, what would you do? What do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do that you know that ensures me the best possible chance of me competing in the Olympics next year, the best version of myself. And he looked, they looked at me and said, "You need to get it done, mate." So then they go through the risk, and the first number one is your life. Yeah, which is like when someone says that. I mean, I'm thinking about it now. And then, you know, when you go in there, your spinal cord is paralysis. You know, I've had three messages. Off, I've told her this. I think I've said this in the podcast, or maybe not. That I've had three messages since since my surgery because uh, I didn't go live until I was I'd had it all done and everything went perfectly well. Um, that the, the people had had the same operation that I had had done and are in a wheelchair because it paralysed them because there was some damage to the spinal cord on the surgery table. God, scary, isn't it? So, like, but, but do you know what you said? You never got that. I, I, when they was wheeling me down and just before they put the anaesthetic in, it's really deep and dark and I don't really want, but I, I, in my head, I was thinking... I might not wake up here. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I genuinely—that's just... that—that's my—that was my last thought before going under that. And then you know, and, and do you remember if you remember? Because I was with um, Gabrielle at the time, and she was in the room, and I—I think the way my manager explained it, he'd seen someone done it before. They have to pump so much anaesthetic in you because it's such a big operation, and the, the rattling around in your neck. I always visioned it like that game. You remember that game operation yeah, we yeah. with my kids, and you've got to be yeah. really careful. It's rough as hell, so they've got to pump in so much anaesthetic to make sure you do not wake up during that procedure, otherwise it'd be bad. Um, so they sent me down at half past eight, and then I didn't. they said I'd be an hour, an hour and a half, and they'd be back at quarter past ten, half ten. And I didn't get back into the room till quarter to one. So I remember you were away, and, yeah. and Gavs was in the room, and they were like, what, where is he? Yeah. Is he all right? Anyway, sorry, back to, back to your story. Well, I just, I'd like to explain that, though, because that... that it goes back, the science is out there, and it goes back to being a caveman, doesn't it? And our natural tendency is to look at the negative. It's, it's, and you know we do this, you know that we do this exercise. So think about this exercise, right? We'll just do it with you, and you play along. Okay. Right. So, tomorrow morning you've got an interview at 10 o'clock. Yeah. yeah? For, a, for a new, so it's an interview for a new job that you really want. You yeah. Can't, you, you can't wait to get it. It's it's now let's say uh, five o'clock at night. So it's so the interviews at ten o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. What could happen between five o'clock tonight and ten o'clock tomorrow for that interview? What could happen? Um, my, my cat could die. Your cat could die. How did you <laughs> come up with that? Um, I could have a rubbish night's sleep. Yeah. I could awesome. be up all night thinking, being nervous. Yeah. Um, my. The alarm might not go off. Alarm might not go off. A uh, car could break down on the way. Yeah, yeah. What else? Um, 
I could be, I could feel rubbish and I could feel ill in the morning. Yeah. I could be ill. What else? So we don't need to go on, do we? So what was the question I asked you? Um, what could, what could, what would happen, what could happen? Yeah. What could, ha- what could happen between now and the interview? Yeah. Right, so what, you just, what, what could go wrong? I didn't say what could go wrong. I said, what could happen? So why didn't you say I could get a good night's sleep? I could wake up really early. I could feel refreshed. I could be really happy about my revision. The traffic might not be bad. I can get there in good time. You know, why? why? Yeah. And it, so the, the, the illustration is, us as human beings, we tend to go to the negative side, don't we? Mm-hmm. Got, it goes back to the cavemen days. But scientists with brilliant minds will explain why that is. We tend to be, uh, you know, a, a, a race or human beings tend to be people that think of the negative and in caveman days, like we've said before, they weren't looking at Thompson's local directory to see where they were going on holiday. They were thinking, is my cave going to flood? Is something going to come in here and eat me? And when will I eat again? Mm. So it all goes back to that, doesn't yeah. it? So, so I, I, was, I was really negative about that whole operation thing. But when it had gone, that was, that was, it, it, it wasn't the complete trigger point. But when my attitude towards what had happened to me started to develop into... I'm, you know, and it, and it takes time. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to live my life to the full. You know, I'm so lucky to be here. How fabulous that I'm now off work, having had a stroke, and the Olympics is on, and I can watch all the ladies beach volleyball <laughs> from qualification through to yeah. the final. You know, and I'm, I'm joking about that. But no, it, was, no, it, yeah. it was kind of, I, I just kept thinking to myself, well, I can... Be negative about what's happened to me. Be really worried about the fact I've got a 30 to 40% chance I could have another bleed and lose my speech. And just going back to the pain, I am left in permanent pain where the right-hand side of my body, the best way of describing it is I have been um, out in the sun for 10 hours and I've got very, very severe sunburn. It's like that, 24-7. And I'm on medication to... Um, you know, help with that. When I'm talking about it, it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you, do you must have, your your body and brain must have adapted to that now. Like, do you think, I mean, I've been, I've been around for the last five years. I know what, what it was like. I, I'd still, you know, people don't know it and they'll, they'll you struggle with, with people touching it. You yeah, know, like, yeah. So like when we're sat at a dinner or anything, you know, if there's anyone who's right and they're being, like they're quite close to him at the dinner table and they keep bumping their elbow or like when people won't have a clue and they'll just slap you on the shoulder or just be yeah I, I can tell that frustration and I know you're in pain all the time but you wouldn't know I totally forget that you've had a stroke you behave in a way that's that you're not in pain can we just stop Sal, what's that noise Sal Sal we can hear it on the podcast we could do <laughs> I think we should keep Sal, Sal, Sal's coming and we've got all Feedback of everything she's doing. Sal, just let us podcast a second, man. What I was saying well, is you won't, you won't, you don't know that that's happened. Not that people have met you. You're an amazing person. You don't know that you're in pain 24-7. I forget every day we don't talk about you being in pain. No. So, like, do you feel that is the normal now? Like, are you still noticeably in pain? Or, like, does it come and go? Is it sometimes better and worse? Well, like, some days adapted to it? Yeah, some days it's worse than other. I've, I've adapted to it. You know, I still play golf, but it hurts. It's hard work and... Uh, you know, I've never, I've never had a, a a period of time where I've been in pain free ever. When I sleep, 
it gets a bit better. But when I get into bed, I have weird feelings. My, my foot goes numb and my, lo- my leg goes numb. And that can be right, you know, really uh, tedious sometimes. Um, but it, I always describe my pain's always, let's say, five, six out of ten. But, but it always goes to seven, eight, nine out of ten. It, it never goes four, three, two, one. You know, it never disappears. Yeah. So it's so it's it's permanently there. Um, but the, the the drugs that I've got uh, that help manage neurological pain, they do help. There's yeah, no doubt yeah, about yeah. it. Because and that drug is one. Of, I don't know what you call it, but a drug you know where you have to load on it and then stay on it. Mm-hmm. If you miss a couple of tablets and stuff, and it goes and the pain gets worse, it can. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it can it can be really bad. But it's like God. We we've we've said, haven't we? You know, stroke is the leading cause of disability. Two-thirds of people are left with disabilities. I'm like the one-third that has no disability. I'm so lucky. Fourth leading case is single leading case of death. Yeah, it's that's that. it. It's, it's, it's optimism, isn't it? And I think, like, perspective, do you think it gave a huge, um, a, a huge perspective on your life and the way you lived it and what your beliefs were? And, what, and you know, like, did that perspective really hit you when you thought... I, w- I could have died. Yeah. You know, did anything change for you then or do you feel like you was you was happy and you was living the life that you wanted to live? And Well, I've, I've said a couple of things. Now, the answer to the question is I felt I was happy and I was living the life that I wanted to live. I didn't wake up one morning and say, right, I need to now change everything that I'm doing in my life because I've had a stroke. Yeah. I, I've said to, I, I said in the actual video and, you know, I, I'd ask you as, as well is, um, I didn't, I didn't wait on, and I don't think people should wait for a major incident in their life to decide they're going to be a different version of themselves. So, so I, I, I would actually be disappointed in myself if, you, you know, you and Sally and Joanna said, Neil is a different version of Neil, now he's had a stroke than before he had a stroke. Because, you know, I would say, why are you not living the life and being the person you want to be now when you haven't had a stroke? Why, you know, why would you have a trigger to think, all oh, right, yeah, I'm going to be yeah. a different version? You know, be that version now. Yeah. So, so for people to say, and, and and the reality is, yeah, things have changed. Things are different. I have had a stroke, and I am in pain. One of one of my biggest challenges from a mental, you know, and I did have my mental health issues. Yeah. I had a lot of uh, no, challenges. No. Um, was about going back to work because it wouldn't let me go back to work, and I, you know, and I just wanted to go back to work because I, I just wanted to be kind of normal, and he, and all the time I, you know, I, I sat at home at that period of time in. In, in that summer and through into Christmas and uh, and I was kind of you know like as I started to in the first week I couldn't walk and I had blurred vision I walked with a stick for three months which gave me a bloody bad back because my stick were too short right so now Dor- I just Dorothy, uh, Dorothy let you in yeah it? Dorothy let me stick so I walked with a stick and I just what we try to do is we, me and Joanna go for a walk and maybe went to you and just try to get a bit further a bit further a bit further Went to the golf, do you remember? Do you went to the British Open and, yeah. they, and they do that thing where they open the rope and you walk across the fairway and everybody had gone and I'm still in the middle of the fairway. <laughs> and this bloke went, he shouted at me, he went, come on, you can't be on the fairway, you can't be on the fairway. I went, I've had a stroke, lad, this is as quick as it gets. <laughs> this is as quick as it gets. And he, he went, oh, I'm really, really sorry. But there were people waiting to tee off and I remember. Yeah, yeah. So the, the 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 challenge for me was I wanted to be normal, you know, especially from a work perspective. I wanted them to think of me as Neil Wilson. And when I went back to work, I, it, it, everybody treated me as a victim. Yeah, yeah, and I hated it. I couldn't stand it. And it took it took ages to get my job back. 
you know, we, I had to do this return to work thing where I go in for a day and a couple of days and a couple of days. So it took, and somebody else was doing my job. So I felt a bit aggrieved about it. Took ages to get my job back. And when I got my job back, it then took me ages to get the job that I wanted because every, you know, people would use language with me like, you know, I, it, I could have let it condition me, but I didn't, it, you know, senior leaders would say, are you sure you're ready? That was an impression of a woman, by the way. Men yeah, used to be like, are you sure you're ready? You know, it might be a lot for you. You need to take your time. You know, you don't need to work to it. You don't want to do too much. You don't want to overdo it. You know, all this language that just kept coming. And I just I just wanted to be, and I think I achieved it at the end. I, I wanted to be just treated as Neil Wilson, the senior manager, who's a great guy, versus Neil Wilson, who's had a stroke and we need to look after him. Yeah. And I, I that was that was one of, you know, my real kind of mental challenges was were getting back to work. And and there were other stuff as well, but I, I didn't dwell on the fact thinking, right, I've had a stroke, life will never be the same. Yeah, yeah, it will never be the same because I'm in pain, but life will still develop and get better. Look at the journey that we've we've all been on together. Yeah. And I am lucky, I am, you know, the doctors, you know, you're lucky. I'm lucky, the two, lucky on two counts. A, I'm lucky it happened and I've lived. B, I'm... Not only lucky that I lived, I've lived without a disability. Like so, so every, many. So every single morning when you wake, when you open your eyes in the bed, you can either think, "I've had a stroke, life's shit, and I'm in pain," or "I'm lucky, I'm still alive, and I'm lucky, I'm not disabled." Let's have a good day. And I've got two fantastic children, a fantastic wife, exactly. and, a, and, a, and an amazing family. And you know, I, it, it, it is, it is your attitude towards it. It's not the no, thing itself; no, it's your no. attitude towards it. And, and and I know, like. I didn't know at the time when I was 16, 17, I can put two and two together having been through what I've been through with the neck, having, having talked about mental health, that that was real for you. And, and maybe, you you know, you maybe didn't talk about it enough to anyone. You just kind of dealt with it in your own way and to, to yourself. But I, I remember you being angry. Like, it, you know, the, the period after the stroke, the, the, the months, the, probably the 12 months after, you were angry and yeah. frustrated and just not yourself. I, and I'm only, I'm 16, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I'd gone from having, and, and our relationship wasn't what it was back then like it is today, but I just, I'd thinking back, things would frustrate you so much more and, and I could tell, and I've been there where you, like you were walking with a stick, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you go from, and you're athletic, you're one of the greatest golfers, well, you are the greatest golfer at Headingley, without a doubt. <laughs> Bob's just got that at six. What's <laughs> going wrong? You know, you're an athletic guy, you're playing with us all the time, and you're having to walk with a stick. You, yeah. you know, like, I, I've, I've understand that. I've gone from, I can do a casino and a triple twist, to, I, I'm walking slowly down the hallway because I'm in pain and, I, and I've got to build up for a week and I've got you and, you and mum saying, you know, maybe you shouldn't walk around the block. Maybe you shouldn't walk around the dock today. Like, I, I get that. I know mm. how that feels, and it's it's horrible. It's horrible. But you know, like you always, like said, the the optimism. I, I want to talk about it. I want to push it all the time. You know, just glass half full. You know, you we want to look in at the positive thing in life and and things that even when they are shit and when they are so bad. You know, some I, I read something. I watched something the other day, and it was. You know, to remember this, it it could always be worse. So it, it could have been worse for could you. Could have been a lot worse. I've it just could, described it, the two things. It, where it could, could have been worse. always be worse. Whatever situation could always be worse. 
but it will always get better. Yeah. And that's something that I, I believe in so much. And, and even today, your story, what you sat and spoke about, is fascinating. I just want, can I just things. mention about other people as well? Other people, I and you, take your frustration out on other people who are just trying to care. Mm. So I get, I've just said a story, haven't I, about people at work. They were only caring and trying to care. My frustration was mine because I wanted to, you know, do something different to what they were saying. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I would add to it if when, when people, then there might be some people that are not genuine out there, you know, it's completely false, but most people, when they're saying the wrong thing to you or you feel it's the wrong thing, they just care and yeah, they want you to be all right. And, that, and it's, and, it, and it's as simple as that. And I was guilty of it as well. So I, you know, I'm critical of people from a work perspective that, that, cared about me but i didn't like what they were saying basically that's yeah. what i'm saying and i think i think as well yeah it could always be worse but i was just picking up on your you know you walking down the corridor me walking with the stick i always felt not always that's wrong most of the time i felt when i had that stick and i'm walking with it i've got to get further i've got to do better yeah, yeah. i've got to but i want to be walking properly i want to walk without the stick did you do you feel like that always yeah. i didn't go for a walk and think bloody stick and oh, why am i oh, balls yeah. to it. i'm not going for it. every it almost becomes like your new challenge in life, yeah. doesn't it? That the you want to wins. overcome. The little wins, yeah. I remember, because you, you used to do it, you, you'd say, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up the street. And you got halfway to Chima's or whatever, yeah. the, the road at the top, and then to come back. I was the same. Like, I, I'd get, I remember one night, we walked around the dock, and this was only like four days, five days after the surgery. And I was thinking I was with you, you and mum, and maybe, I can't, maybe Gabrielle, I can't remember, we walked around, and I was like, I want to carry on. Like let's go up to down the the thing and the into Oracle, yeah. and you were like, oh no, no, that's fine. Or, <laughs> or mum was yeah. or whatever. No, no, and I was like, no, I need I need to do more. Yeah, yeah. I need to do more. I want to I want to be a gymnast again. Do you know what I mean? And I think if you can if you can be happy, and it's not always being happy in those moments, but you then just become addicted to those little wins, those little victories, those little. Box ticks like oh, I I walked for the first time I jogged for the first time I, I swung a golf club for the first time. I, uh, Do you know when we when I was in hospital for that five days there was an old guy I want to call him Bill. He came in he was something like eighty seven and uh, he his wife was with him a lovely guy a lovely couple and because we were in all in hospital together there was four of us in the room bear in mind as well there was a twenty year old kid opposite I me remember. that had a, a stroke on a football pitch I mean it's just horrendous isn't it. And he, he he said something like, "Can we get it exactly right?" Um, I, you know, Neil, I've, I've had five strokes and I've had five operations, and I'm not having any more operations. I want to put me back on operating table. I won't wake up. He says, "I'm not doing that." And his wife, you know, his wife sat there listening to all this, and and then he's kind of then he, he sort of drags you in and says, well, what, "What do you think? What do you think?" And I said, "Well, look, look, Bill, you know, at the end of the day, it's your decision. I, I've faced a decision." I said, "But what have the doctor said?" He said, "Well." They reckon it should, you know, should be all right and could keep me going, and um, you know, I could live a lot longer and blah blah. And, uh, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to have another operation. I don't want to have an anaesthetic. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be knocked out and potentially not wake up again. That's what you were talking about. I said, look, I said, if doctors are saying to you it's going to prolong your life, you get to be with your wife and see your grandkids. How many grandkids have you got? Oh, seven. And see your grandkids. I said, why would you say no to that? I said, it's your decision. But if you're asking me. I'd do it. 
So I'd gone, I'd gone for somewhere and I came back and went, right, Neil, I'm going to have that operation. I'm going to have, <laughs> I've been had a chat to you, I'm going to have that operation. So then I felt like a different sort of pressure. Then I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to have the operation because of the conversation. <laughs> we've me, yeah. so, what if, so what if you don't wake up? So, so then I almost wanted to say to him, what if you don't wake up? <laughs> you know, like come completely twist your twist you around in a moment, completely twist you yeah. around. So, but yeah, so his, yeah, but you just you just said what you believed, and it was his decision. Well, absolutely, like yeah. I just thought it was a funny story about how your mind can just keep jumping from one to another, and because de- depending on the circumstances, depending on what you think, isn't it? But ultimately, you just you know, it could be a lot worse. What's the what's the best way forward with this? And I've just got to keep trying and keep going and. Um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just so lucky. Yeah. So lucky. And I'm blessed to have such an amazing family and be in the place I am now podcasting with my son. I might be, I probably won't be. I was going to say I might be the only stroke victim podcasting, but I'm sure there might be a stroke podcast uh, maybe yeah yeah but honestly dad like story i just like to say as well though you know the, the national health the guys in leeds all the hospital the doctors the uh, you know the nurses that looked after me are brilliant they were just so brilliant yeah and when you visited me once and you'd crashed at the gym they patched you up didn't they i remember and yeah, yeah but, that, but that was the first time it was the day after and i'd i, I don't know how i fell in that moment because i you mom, came in the hospital didn't you yeah mum would try to play it down and she would crash she, she couldn't really say it tell me what were going on I'll come and visit without crying so I'm kind of like what are you crying for you know but you know when you when you hear the word stroke you think well that's some serious stuff you know yeah. I just said is he gonna is he gonna be all right is he gonna live and the did answer you? did you yeah yeah and the answer was yes so then it was like right then well let's let's go back yeah I've, I've slipped on pommels that day didn't I have massive grace <laughs> down my back and he's one had a stroke and there were about three nurses that came in and were patching me up putting well, some uh, you can imagine whatever she was called I said oh, you couldn't have a look at his back could you she had a look and she said oh I'll get you something for that take your top off and when you took your top off about another three or four nurses <laughs> appeared didn't they yeah. she must have gone out the back and said come have a look at these lad here <laughs> future gymnast star yeah, yeah. well dad anyway right. what a podcast that's been incredible um and, you know, hopefully, like we mentioned before, if this impacts you in any way, shape or form from this story, if, um, inspires you to get off your bum today, to look at the positive, the optimistic part of your life and why it is amazing. And if it's not why and how you can make it amazing, that's what we want to do. And cheers, Dad. Yeah. And it's not the thing itself. It's your attitude towards the thing. That's it. Love you, Paps. Love you. Love you. Love you, son. Bye, everyone. I love you all at home. Remember, leave a like, rain. It's five stars, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Five stars. Five stars review. Subscribe. Bye. Bye.